This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. White flag is in the air. Again, we're going to try to settle the all-star race. It's Blaney leading them. Blaney by three into turn number one. The battle is for second. Cedric to the inside. Hamlin to the outside. Give it to Denny Hamlin. Then Logano and uh, Suarez, but it's all Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney leads off the end of the back straightaway. Denny Hamlin, two, now three. Car lengths behind him for the final time off the corner. Here comes Denny Hamlin. He will get close. Not close enough. He did it once. He's going to do it twice. He comes across the line, leading the field. This time, the checkered flag is in the air, and Ryan Blaney has won the all-star race here at the Texas Motor Speedway. Blaney having to do it the hard way, not once, but twice. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we get ready for the Coca-Cola 600 race weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Coming up on tonight's show, you're going to hear more of my wide-ranging conversation from Denny Hamlin Sunday at the All-Star Race in Texas. We've talked a lot about different things. We'll let you hear the rest of that interview that you did not hear on NASCAR Live Race Day on Sunday. As we gear up for the Coca-Cola 600, we'll hear from one of the most successful crew chiefs in that race. Chad Canals is going to join us. Plus, we'll do a deeper dive into the MRN archives and recap some Petty and Waltrip dominance in what was then known as the World 600. Steve Post and Todd Gordon are going to sit down with Cup Series director Brad Moran. Plus, we'll hear what the drivers are expecting in the season's longest race and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Rickey is here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle, what do you have for us? Mike, NASCAR officials have responded to the late race caution flag that flew just yards before Ryan Blaney took the checkered flag in Sunday night's NASCAR All-Star Race at the Texas Motor Speedway, forcing an overtime finish. As the All-Star rules state, the event must finish under green, even if the caution comes out on the final lap. NASCAR Vice President of Competition, Scott Miller. We probably prematurely called that yellow flag 
we saw the car and mentioned the car against the wall, riding the wall down the back straightaway. And the race director looked up, and I'm not sure what he saw, but he immediately put it out. Ryan Blaney eventually went on to win the All-Star event following the second attempt at a green flag finish. And the entry lists are out for this weekend's triple header of racing at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. 37 trucks are entered for Friday night's North Carolina Education Lottery 200 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race and will include Cup Series champion Kyle Busch, who will drive for his Kyle Busch Motorsports team. Ryan Priest is also in the field, who will again drive for David Gilliland Racing. Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series race has 42 teams entered, with two notables coming from the BJ McLeod Motorsports stable. Ryan Priest will drive the team's number five car, while current Arkham Menard Series championship leader Nick Sanchez will drive the number 99 entry. And the busy weekend for Priest will continue into Sunday's Coca-Cola 600 NASCAR Cup Series event with a ride in the number 15 car for Rick Ware Racing to conclude his triple header weekend. Noah Gregson will also be in the 600 on Sunday, driving for Colleague Racing. Mike? Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, I'll sit down with Denny Hamlin, and later we chat with Hendrick Motorsports' Chad Canals. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating... Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. 2022 has been an up-and-down year for Denny Hamlin. The JGR driver went to victory lane earlier this year at his home track in Richmond, but other than that, the results have been very inconsistent. On the ownership side, his 2311 racing team has also had mixed results, but recently went to victory lane with Kurt Busch at Kansas. On Sunday, I had a chance to sit down with the owner-driver for a wide-ranging conversation. Here's a portion of that interview that you did not hear on NASCAR Live Race Day, Sunday from Texas. Danny Hamlin is fast right now in the late going as he begins to carve away at the daylight between himself and Cindric. Fans can be very dismissive, right? If that guy's not getting it done, get him out of there. Get somebody in there that does. What's it like working through the process? It's a painful one, like you just said, but working through that process, but also taking care of the human capital that you have a part of the race team. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is when they went to the single lug, uh, I don't know what the real percentage is, but maybe only 20, 30% of the old pit crew members that, that were pitting these cars kept their jobs for the single lug nut uh, pit stop. So you, you brought in a lot of young talent, which is really good for the long term, uh, but we don't have that veteran presence. And I think in general, that's what we're missing a little bit with some of these uh, teams is just the veteran, you know, that Jackman or, or tire changer, somebody to let everyone know that, hey, Things are not going well. Let's stop the stop here. Don't let the driver go and, and, and reset. So I think that that takes time. Uh, ultimately, there's just not there's that many people out there anymore. Let's talk about the 11 car. The box score doesn't show context. It just shows a number. But there's a lot of context that goes into these numbers. Your performance this year has been spotty for one reason or another. 
separate fact from fiction for our listeners about where the 11 team is right now and some of the things that may have gotten away from you, some days that just were challenges. Where is this race team right now? Well, we've had our challenges. Martinsville was god-awful. I mean, we were laps down, legitimately laps down. Um, and I hadn't had a race like that since probably, you know, Martinsville 19 or something like that. And then we nearly won the fall race. You know, we just figure it out. Anytime there's something new that me and my crew chief get thrown our way, sometimes we hit it, sometimes we don't. When we don't, I love our chances when we go back. And, and Martinsville, as crazy as it is, I, I had a legitimate 30, 30th place car. I think that we're going to probably go there and win in the fall. It's That's how this sport changes so much. But um, I think that we've had I, – I, I consider I, – I think about win-loss. And, and something I started doing with JGR this year is that if we show up to a racetrack and we have at least two cars that can contend for a win at JGR, we'll put that as a win in the win column. Those are two cars that if nothing crazy happens, they were capable of winning. If we don't have that, then it's a loss. And our, we started the season one and four. That was our record, our win-loss record as, as an organization. We have since turned it around, and we are, I believe, seven and five. Now, I don't include super speedways. I think um, those are one in its own. So we've gone like, what is that, six and one since. So I like where we're trending. It's all in the right direction. Obviously, the, the speed from the 2311 cars are now speaking for themselves as, as well so um we're seven and five right now that's good we're above 500 i think if you can if you can end the year 65 percent win loss on having more than one car capable of winning each week you're doing good as an organization when people look at an organization they'll say well okay the gibbs bunch they've got four cars they've got four great race car drivers the performance should be there across the board but we'll see where a couple cars will be good, a couple cars will have challenges, and that'll float. Why, why is it not blanket success among the whole fleet? We're all searching. So we're all trying to get information because we're going to these racetracks for the very first time. So our spread ups, setups are sprayed all over the place right now. Um, when we come back to track for the second time, we're going to be way more honed in. Everyone's probably going to be pretty close in performance, I'd say, other than your driver, crew chief, and their relationship and whatever, you know, the X factors of the pit crew, things like that. So I think right now that's why you see, I mean, we went to Las Vegas and had the four fastest cars, and then we had four cars with the same body, same everything, went to Phoenix, and none of us could run 20th. It's just crazy week to week. That's how much the setups really mean. And you can either hit it or we can be like Martinsville and run 30th, three laps down. That's just how it is right now. Is it as big, though, as it appears? Or are we talking minutes of measure? Because everybody is, I don't want to say is running the same speed and they're basically the same, but that window has really closed to where there's not much that separates one from the other these days. There's not a lot uh, that separates. I mean, I think there's, you know, one few adjustment here and there. Not... Not a small adjustment, but something big if you miss in your setup, you could go from literally being up front to, to being in the back. Um, but I think that in the end, your big teams are still, with the resources, will still be the ones that, like us, I'm, I'm so confident going back to tracks that we stunk at, so they don't worry me. They're, they're like, well, hey, that's a big opportunity for us to step up and do something a lot better because I know the depth of the team is so good and they've got a lot of smart people there. So I think as the season goes on and, and while the story was great and it still is great of the parody, 
I think it still narrows itself down to the cream rises to the top by the end of the year. Of the upcoming races we have, we're going to empty out the clip, as they say. You're going to get an off weekend. Got one off weekend in the Cup Series in 2022, and that part of that is because of where some dates fell on the calendar. Going forward, when we start to look at, at schedules going forward, is there an ideal number of off weekends, not just for drivers, but also letting the team get a little time to get a little downtime and maybe recharge the batteries as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know whether it's off weekends we really should be talking about or just this is the length of our season, and it's February to September, October, whatever the wherever we're trying to get to in the long run is, is I think the most important message um, versus, you know, how many weekends can we have off? Um, we obviously want to keep our fans entertained, but you also got to keep fans wanting it. Right. And, and if you just give them more and more and more um, those with young kids that you know that you give candy to eventually, you know, it's never enough. Right. And so um, we got to have a point where we, 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 it's, 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 you know, they look forward to, see in the cup series and know that hey i can't miss this week i can't go i have to go to the racetrack this week because i can't just go next month right it's you gotta you gotta kind of create some demand there um but ideally for me it's it's more about how can we shrink the length in time of our season not necessarily dates and reducing dates and races uh how can we shrink the time that it takes because ultimately the you know it's the shop guys that really take the brunt of all the hard work that gets done putting these cars on the track. We've had a lot of diverse tracks this year. Uh, the Coliseum out in L.A., we're on Bristol Dirt. we got road courses coming up. we got regular short tracks and the and, and the slate of what we normally run. Is there something out there, either as a driver or an owner, that you would like to see us explore? Maybe there's a new frontier out there that you'd like us to venture down? I'm open for anything, honestly. I mean, I thought the, the, the vibe at the Coliseum was very, very good. Um, it was a lot of excitement, a lot of uh, certainly more than any other clash race we've had in the past. Uh, so that's all been good. We went to Road America last year. Uh, we had a great turnout for the first time. Will they return for the second time, right? I mean, everything is exciting the first, but what happens the second, the third, the fourth time? Um, I think continuing to mix up our schedule and visit new places is what ultimately creates that buzz and excitement that we need to keep. Coming up, we'll chat with seven-time NASCAR Cup Series championship-winning crew chief Chad Canals, And later, we'll head back to the 70s for a World 600 throwback. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those cameras up! Yeah! greater things this year. Everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. In the early to mid-2000s, the then Lowe's Motor Speedway, was Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson's playground. The dynamic duo won three straight Coca-Cola 600s from 2003 to 2005 and then went back to victory lane again in 2014. While Jimmy will be running in a different crown jewel race this Sunday, the Indianapolis 500, Chad will still be involved with Hendrick Motorsports and their efforts 
in the Coca-Cola 600. Our Steve Post sat down with Chad to talk about his past success in the 600, his current role at Hendrick Motorsports, and more. Joining us now from over at Hendrick Motorsports is the Vice President of Competition, Chad Knaus joins us. Hello, Chad. How are you? I'm great. How are you today, Postman? I am doing well. I am doing well. Here we are. It doesn't seem possible. The calendar just keeps rolling along. Coca-Cola 600 week. You're a four-time winner of this one. Now as competition director, how do you, how do you, how do you break down going into this race and some of the challenges your guys are going to face over there at Charlotte? I think it's going to be a tough one for sure. Uh, obviously, the Charlotte for 600 miles is is grueling enough. Um, you know, we're going to go over there. I believe they're going to add a little bit of traction compound to the upper middle groove and to the top. So that's going to be you know a new effect that's a little different. Um, Obviously, we've seen a lot of great racing with this Gen 7 car, um, but we've had uh, also some some issues, right? We've seen some mechanical issues. We've seen some tire issues. I think all of those could potentially rear their head again this weekend over the course of 600 miles of Charlotte. The What's your level of concern with those things as far as, uh, you know, you, you guys had a tire failure down at Texas in the All-Star race with Kyle Larson and overall with this car where where are we at with it is it is it is it still finding those boundaries and those edges yeah i don't know yeah for sure you know we got to be careful about how we say that i don't know that all of them are necessarily finding boundaries and edges other than just trying to find you know figuring out the gremlins um which i think there's a little bit of that right now i don't think it's necessarily the team's always pushing for performance sometimes it's just you know hey whoops guess what that didn't work and we've got to make adjustments so I think yeah. as, as an industry, we're, we're navigating those waters as, as best we possibly can and, uh, and trying to work together and, and help guiding NASCAR. And, um, you know, I think things are getting better, but there's still going to be more problems um, just inevitably with anything. Um, you try to make something go 185 miles for 85, yeah. 185 miles per hour for about, uh, you know, three and a half hours, you're, you're bound to have some problems to begin with. One of the other things that has changed this year is practice and qualifying, the format of that, Chad. Um, traditionally, crew chiefs like a lot of track time. Um, what's your take on practice and qualifying and what we've seen with the 15 or 20 minutes right into qualifying? What's your what's your assessment of that? Oh, boy, I'm, I'm torn. I'm really torn because I feel like that the more track time we could have right now, the better we could sort out the car and, and, mm. and try to eliminate some issues like, let's say, you know, tire failures and whatnot. Um, but then conversely, I think that there's, um, a, it's a great show. I think there's a lot of efficiencies that have been gained by the, the way things are right now. So uh, I hate to say I play both sides of the fence, depending upon what day it is and what my agenda is. So, um, but, but I think it's been exciting. I think qualifying format's been exciting. Um, it's a lot to fit in for sure, but, um, but you know, I think it makes for a good show couple of non-NASCAR things I wanted to, to catch up with you on and, and, and bounce off from you here. Uh, you guys are involved, Hendrick Motorsports, NASCAR, IMSA, Chevrolet, and Goodyear with a program called Garage 56, gearing up for the 24 Hours of Le Mans next year. You're the program manager of it, Chad. Um, tell me about that program and, and, and what your level of excitement is to be involved with that. I think it's a great opportunity for our industry to to get over there and, and showcase uh, what we're capable of. Uh, definitely, it's a daunting task. The car is, you know, going to be a challenge to get built in 11 months and, and sent over there. Um, but uh, it's, it's something that we're really honored and, and proud to be a part of uh, in the NASCAR community. Um, you know, obviously to 
to get some of uh, some of our technology over there, showcase that, showcase that in front of other OEMs, and you know, hopefully entice uh, some more OEMs to want to get involved in what it is that we do over here in the United States with NASCAR. I think would be fantastic. Um, it's really, really pretty. I'm really proud of the cars that we race week in and week out. I'm really proud of the technology that we have, even though you know some people may think that we're not as technically advanced as other series it's I, I think we're as technically advanced or more when you look at our facilities and what we do in-house it's just when we go to the racetrack our cars just aren't instrumented exactly the same way so i think it's going to be interesting for them to see that um you know i, I i'm excited about it. i think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh it's going to be great for our sport i'm really i'm really hoping that it does good things personally uh knowing you're a guy that loves projects and, and and new things and new challenges this is this has got to be pretty neat for you personally chad it is i've been fortunate enough to get some exposure with the imsa series uh with the guys over at action express and working with uh jimmy and mike rockenfeller and kumi kobayashi and you know a couple other drivers at different times um so it's it's been a lot of fun for me i've been able to participate in the 24 hours of daytona a couple of times um you know obviously uh, you got petit lamar that we've done you know um Watkins Glen, you know, Sebring, you know, all those are all iconic races that, you know, fortunately enough, I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for Jimmy, obviously. And we had always said that when we were done racing cup, we were going to have some fun and do some of these other races that were kind of bucket list style races. So, um, you know, I've, I've been, it's been an honor for me to be a part of it and, uh, you know, hopefully we can do a good job and we can go over there and do some good things. Speaking of Jimmy, did you see that qualifying lap at Indy? I did. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, that, that, that's got to be rewarding for you to watch him uh, starting in the 12th spot for the Indianapolis 500. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've been bantering back and forth daily uh, about his experience there and what he's been going through and the emotions. And, you know, I'm really proud of him. I, I think Jimmy's a phenomenal race car driver. He's a great friend. Uh, I'm actually going to go to Indianapolis this weekend and be a part of his group and, and watch him race this weekend. Bringing it back to home, final question for you, the Coca-Cola 600. Bringing that trophy back, this is the home game. Hendrick Motorsports, uh, you know, as a crow flies a mile or less away from Charlotte Motor Speedway, you've won it four times. What does it mean for the team? And you're hoping it's you guys to win this race at home uh, this Sunday night. Obviously, Hendrick Motorsports uh, is just, you know, really close to Charlotte Motor Speedway, like you had mentioned, you know, less than a mile away. And we have a lot of pride in being able to go over there and represent our company. Um, and, you know, a lot of fans, a lot of family, um, a lot of things happen around this week here in Charlotte uh, to build up to this race. So we, we like to go and, and represent Hendrick Motorsports and, and, you know, Hendrick Automotive Group and all of our partners at a very high level. So we're excited about it. Um, I don't know, you know, you just don't know what to expect when we get over there, but I feel like that we're going to have good cars. I think we're going to have great performance. And uh, obviously we've got some of the best drivers and crew chiefs in the world. So I think it's gonna be a lot of fun for us. And our goal is to go over there and, and put ourselves in position to contend for the win at the end of the race. And, and hopefully we're there. Thank you, Postman. Coming up, we go back nearly 50 years for a World 600 history lesson. And later we'll talk with NASCAR Cup Series Director, Brad Moran. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. 
Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The Coca-Cola 600 has been a crown jewel event in NASCAR for over 60 years. When the event began, it was called the World 600, and it was dominated by Hall of Famers. While our friends at the Performance Racing Network will have the call this weekend, we thought we'd dig back into the MRN archives and relive a decade of the 600 that was dominated by Richard Petty and Daryl Waltrip. When people think about sports in the 1970s, they might think of the Miami Dolphins' undefeated season or the thriller in Manila between boxing greats Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. But NASCAR had its own share of dominant stars in that era in one of the sport's crown jewel events, the World 600. From the Charlotte Motor Speedway, the World 600, the command of fire engines, given and 40 cars come to life this afternoon grand national automobiles 1973 through 75 model cars that decade was dominated by hall of famers in the 600 miler at charlotte motor speedway for example buddy baker won the race in back-to-back years and david pearson won twice in the span of three seasons but richard petty and daryl waltrip also found glory in the 600 combining to win four of the last five editions of the 1970s as for petty his first victory in the race came in 1975, but it did not come without a battle. He would have to face another legend in Cale Yarborough. Meanwhile, on the backstretch, Richard Petty has taken the lead. Car number 43, Petty swings high, wide, handsomely around car number 11, Cale Yarborough, and the STP dodges in front, going down the backstretch. Petty, for the first time this afternoon, exercises that big 3,700-pound Dodge car into the lead. That pass was in the early stages of the race, but then Richard lost the lead thanks to an unscheduled pit stop. He and Yarborough would trade the lead throughout the event. Combined, the two Hall of Famers led a whopping 373 of the 400 laps. And on lap 298, Petty took the lead for good. The King led the final 103 circuits and ended up winning by more than a lap. Here he comes, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the World 600. Richard Petty, career win number 170. The World 600, 1975 NASCAR Championship Races history. Winner is Richard Petty. David Pearson won the race in 1976, but Petty was once again king in 1977. Pearson sat on the pole and battled with Petty and Benny Parsons for the majority of the race. Parsons was eliminated from that battle when he became ill and had to be relieved by Bobby Allison in the latter stages of the event. Petty took the lead from Pearson on lap 270 and never looked back. 115,000 people waving their hats, cheering as Petty comes across the line to win his second World 600 and $69,300 for this afternoon's activity. It's official. The World 600 NASCAR championship race is history. The winner is Richard Petty. Well, just everything worked perfectly. It, uh, like I told him, the only thing we didn't win was, uh, I guess, the pole position over here, but we run good on that. And uh, the car handled perfect, and the boys has really been working on the engine. The thing flat running good today. And, uh, you know, when it runs that good and performs that good and the pit stops are as good as what they had, then uh, you're going to be tough to beat. The remainder of the decade belonged to good old DW. 
Daryl Waltrip. The 1978 running of the race was ultra competitive with Waltrip, Pearson, Yarborough, Parsons, and Donnie and Bobby Allison all looking like the driver to beat at different portions of the event. Parsons actually took the lead from Waltrip with less than 25 laps to go, but that only lasted one lap. Waltrip took the lead back, but still had to hold off the field after a late caution forced a restart with one lap to go. Wait a minute, I can tell you the story right here in front of me. David Pearson, the whole right side of his car, cream, gone. He's coming across the line. Here comes Benny Parsons, front end of his car, wiped out. He's still on the track. They come around for the finish. It'll be car number 88 coming Here to the turn four. four Ken. He's on his way to victory. Darrell Waltrip, who's about to win his first race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Donnie Allison will finish in second. Waltrip wins it. An unbelievable finish here today. How about that, Jack? Darrell, have you ever run a tougher race? That's the hardest 500-mile race I ever run. Well, that was a 600-mile race. Oh, no wonder I'm so dad burned tired. <laughs> Those fellas just didn't let up out there. Well, you know, it was a tough race all day. And uh, what can I say? I, I don't believe I was ever in a race where five or six guys run as hard as everybody did for 600 miles. I just got to thank my pit crew today. They did a tremendous job, got me in and out uh, first almost every time. And uh, the Gatorade Chevrolet just did a tremendous job. And, I like to thank the Lord, too. I went to church this morning. I believe it must have helped. Just one victory in the 600 was not enough for Waltrip, as he was back at it just one year later. This time, his biggest competition came from Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. Waltrip and Earnhardt, the Intimidator, traded the lead for most of the second half of the event, but Waltrip's Gatorade car dominated the final 100 laps to secure back-to-back World 600 trophies. White flag for Daryl Waltrip in the Gatorade Chevrolet as he swings across the line. Here comes Richard Petty and Earnhardt. Let's go to Mike Joy. Waltrip swings out of turn one and nobody is watching. Eyes glued on Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. Petty is very high in turn number one this last time around. Earnhardt sneaks a peek down low. Petty comes down to cover the spot. They open up a margin on Yarborough and Parsons. They are nose to tail halfway down the back stretch for second spot. The battle now, second place as Earnhardt goes on the inside of Richard Petty. Earnhardt goes down underneath. He's got second place, but let's not count out Richard Petty. He goes underneath Dale Earnhardt and reappropriates second spot. Checkered flag for Darrell Waltrip, but here comes the battle for second. Petty gets it coming out of the fourth corner, and he will finish in the number two position. Earnhardt will run third. Kale will run fourth, and Benny Parsons will finish fifth. What a world 600 here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Darrell Waltrip, congratulations on a real hard super run here this afternoon well ned gee whiz i think you ought to change the name of it to the world 900 for me uh, 300 miles yesterday and 600 miles a day but two beautifully prepared automobiles run well handled well my hat's off to the entire gatorade team uh, they just did a tremendous job and i'm just glad that uh, we could end up here both days as evidenced by the names we've just heard this event is typically dominated by legends This weekend, the current stars of the sport will do battle over 600 miles for their chance at glory. Could Kyle Larson pull a wall trip and go back-to-back? Or could someone like Joey Logano or Chase Elliott add this crown jewel to their resume? We will find out when another chapter in its legendary history is written at Charlotte Motor Speedway on Sunday night. Thank you, Kurt. Great piece there. Coming up, 
Brad Moran joins us, and later we'll hear what the drivers are expecting out of this year's running of the Coca-Cola 600. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Every week's MRN lead pit reporter and our resident crew chief, Todd Gordon, sit down with some of the biggest decision makers in the sport on MRN Crew Call. On the most recent show, the guys had a chance to sit down with NASCAR Cup Series director Brad Moran to get a bit of a state of the sport as we head into the summer months. Well, it's great to catch up with you. We see you in the pits and say hey every once in a while. You're a busy, busy man, so we appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule. Brad, you were named the managing director of the Cup Series in January of a year when a new car was being debuted. Do they not like you over there? I mean, man, they, they threw you into the fire. How, how, how are you doing? How is it going? <laughs> I think there could be a little bit of punishment there, possibly. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. You know, the the challenge. Uh, I was up for the challenge. You know, really exciting time for NASCAR. All the work and effort that uh, John Probst and the R and D Center put into this uh, next gen car. I just took it as a, a great opportunity, and and knew there'd be a bunch of challenges along the way, which we certainly have. But boy, the the product's been good. Uh, you know, everyone's working together and the collaboration between the teams and the drivers and, and, you know, NASCAR has been something probably never seen before. So it's a great time to be here and just lo- loving every minute of it. And, uh, you know, again, we just, uh, we keep digging, trying to get to, trying to put on good shows for, uh, for all our fans each and every week. You, you look at the, at the, at the project that you've taken on and, and NASCAR has taken on and developing a new car that's very supplier driven and, and rolling that out to everything, I think you guys have done a phenomenal job with, with the implementation of, of how this has gone, how the product on the racetrack's gone. And it's, it's been overwhelming success in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, we, we at the start started to hear things about supply chain issues, which you hear across the world with, with coming out of the pandemic. And, and we're not hearing that anymore. How is, how is that coming to the racing? And, and how do you guys see that going forward? Yeah, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a lot of different groups working on, on different, uh, different things. And obviously the uh, part supply, we, uh, we started off, uh, you know, in Daytona, we, we were tight with parts and cars as everybody's well, you know, reported teams again, just their level of, uh, their level of professionalism and, and how to adjust, realized that they had to adjust because the cars weren't coming in probably quite as planned to start the season. Uh, they made adjustments. We made adjustments. It's definitely uh, gotten better, and uh, we'll continue to get better at it. But we're in a we're in a way better spot than we than we were when we obviously when we started the season. Um, probably would have anticipated not tearing up quite as much equipment. But um, this is what we've been. I mean, these boys are at it. This race has been sensational. These bodies have more give to them. I mean, I've, I've had to work with these flange fit bodies for. for decades now and they're they're tough so it changes the racing a little bit you know a, a little rub here a little tap there doesn't ruin your day and you know obviously that, that plays into what these fans are seeing which is just outstanding racing uh i think in, in most of the show so we probably used up more than we anticipated as well to get the season going to this point uh, but we are getting uh, the, the parts are coming um Again, everyone's getting in a better place, talking to the teams. You know, I talk to them obviously every week and see how they're doing. And even the ones that have had more bad luck uh, than good are, are feeling much better about it now than they were a couple months ago. So 
uh, you know, we are touch wood because we are coming out of pandemic and raw materials and all those concerns are definitely there. But we have groups that are, are staying ahead of that and hopefully keep us in a good place. When I want to talk a little bit about the overall performance of the car. Uh, one of the things NASCAR is charged with making a level playing field for everybody that comes to play. When I look at this season and when I look at teams like Trackhouse Racing, I look at some of the rungs Colleg Racing is at. Todd and I just talked about JTG Darty coming with three straight top 10 finishes. I know you guys don't root for specifics. I know you're, you you guys root for it. But it sounds to me, and it seems to me, like that leveling the playing field has been uh, – it's a lot closer now than it was before when we see some of these smaller teams, Brad, rolling up at the front of the field on a regular basis. How, how do you assess that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see. Uh, you know, teams that, uh, that obviously have a lot of talent uh, that, that come into the sport just a couple of years ago, put good people in place. Uh, they have the same equipment as, as anybody that's starting the race. And uh, you can certainly see it's, it's paying off. We've had, uh, I, I think we're 10 or 11 different winners, including the, the Coliseum. It's, uh, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, track house winning and it's, it's just spread around and it's uh, pretty, pretty awesome to see. I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt if we get to the 16 winners, you know, before the playoffs. So, all of a sudden, is your one win a guarantee in? I wouldn't. I don't know about that this year. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Todd. You can subscribe to MRN's Crew Call wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, we'll preview the Coca-Cola 600. And later, we've got This Week in NASCAR History. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to throw the checkered flag on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, let's get a preview of this season's longest race. The NASCAR Cup Series haulers don't have a long trip to make. We'll just head over to Concord and Charlotte Motor Speedway. What are the drivers expecting from the home game this weekend? Kyle Ricky has more. After a chaotic and controversial finish to the NASCAR All-Star Race at Texas, the focus of the NASCAR Cup Series now turns to one of the crown jewel races. The Coca-Cola 600 is on deck at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The 600-mile distance is the longest on the schedule, and the conversation going into the race always revolves around just how grueling that can be. William Byron says that how the race is going for you definitely has an impact on if you notice the extended distance from inside the race car. You know, honestly, not last year. I felt like last year was a game of, of runs. Like, obviously, the five was great all night, and I felt like we were inching up on them each run, inching up, and then we did take the lead at one point in CH3. And so I, at that point, I thought the race was going pretty fast because I, I felt like we were – but we were constantly just trying to get a little bit better as the race went on. And as soon as we took the lead, it's like, all right, now we got control of the race, and so you're trying to, you know, think about all those things. So I thought, it, I thought, you know, it, it goes by. I guess to answer your question, it goes by faster when you're running well. If you're not running well in that race, it's it's definitely a really long race. If you have a great car, it certainly makes things easier. But the 600 miles is still a huge test for both man and machine. While the cars suffered many mechanical failures in the formative years of the race. Tyler Reddick says that it is now more taxing on the driver. It certainly can. Um, you know, it's it's more of can the drivers, um, you know, can the teams endure it. You know, I think 
the, the team side, certainly. As drivers in the car, when, when, when it's not driving great, it's, it's really difficult to manage at times, especially if you're on the, on the looser side of things. So over 600 miles, it's very reasonable that the car's not going to handle the way it should. You have to make adjustments on it. So it's going to be important to survive those rough patches of the race um, and hopefully not lose too much track position. Um, even more importantly, not make a mistake and crash. Uh, 600 miles is a lot of opportunities to do that, so it'll be a very difficult race, but the car is up for that challenge. The car can handle it. Tyler Reddick says that the cars and the teams are definitely up to the challenge of 400 laps at Charlotte Motor Speedway, but this will be the first 600-mile event in the Gen 7 race car. Teams tested at the Charlotte Motor Speedway more than anywhere else when developing this car, but Chase Briscoe says he's still unsure what to expect come Sunday. I think the 600 will be interesting for sure. Uh, you know, that's the one track I feel like the most people have the most laps at as far as with this car. But, you know, every time we were at Charlotte, we were running different packages. And, you know, I know for me, I've never ran the current package at Charlotte yet. So I think it'll be interesting for sure. Um, you know, that track is, is unique in a sense of it does have some tire fall off. It's really heat sensitive. Um, and it's one of the rougher racetracks we go to, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect for the 600. The race length also presents a big opportunity for teams. There is an extra stage in the race, awarding teams another chance to earn stage points and playoff points on Sunday. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is well aware of that fact and is also aware of how close to the edge you will have to be on Sunday if you want to contend for those points. There's so many stage points up for for grabs, you know, three three different or three different stage points, and then then your final stage. Uh, you know, I think to run this car as fast as you can, you got to be on the edge, and and I think that's why you're seeing more mistakes. And Charlotte is one of those tracks that I feel like exit at turn four, you could be in the gas you know, running the top. And if somebody slides up in front of you, you're probably going to hit the fence just because you lose so much downforce. You saw it at Kansas off of turn four. Uh, I think that's going to be exaggerated at Charlotte. Points were not in focus this past weekend at Texas, but Ryan Blaney still found a way to get to victory lane for the first time in 2022. Blaney hopes that momentum created by getting over the hump at Texas will carry over into this weekend. Yeah, it's definitely great momentum. Um, like I said, we kind of we kind of came here unloading, you know, with a little bit different approach to what we normally do week in and week out with car setup stuff. Uh, and I thought it was very positive. We were very fast all weekend, so that gives you confidence that hey, your car was really fast. Obviously, you win the race is great, but I take away like and our car was really fast. We made big gains on the speed side of it, um, to where I feel like we've lacked a little bit here, you know, the last month. So. Um, I'm very proud of that, and you know Charlotte has its similarities to here a little bit. Um, so there's some things we can really carry over uh, to this. So I'm, I'm very proud of the, the effort and the gains that we've made from a speed perspective, and it shows. And winning is just a bonus. So um, looking forward to Charlotte, Charlotte next week, and, and hopefully keep building and keep finding speed in your car. Who will start the second half of the regular season in victory lane? We will find out on Sunday when the Coca-Cola 600 caps off one of the greatest days of the year for race fans. Coming up, we've got This Week in NASCAR History. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Before we head for the exits on this week's show, Let's give you a little This Week in NASCAR History. Here's Susie Armstrong. 
Thanks, Mike. 1975. On top of the charts again, that was the way of the world for Funky Popper's Earth, Wind, and Fire as Shining Star shot to the pinnacle of Billboard's Hot 100. America was all ears as Wings released their fourth studio album with the hit single, Listen to What the Man Said. Nature was kind to Bobby Unser as the checkers fell early on a rain-shortened Indianapolis 500 with the indie veteran besting Johnny Rutherford for a second 500 crown. And Richard Petty needed no help at Charlotte Motor Speedway, lapping the field in the STP Pontiac to win the World 600. off the throttle for the first time today and Waltrip goes by. Richard taking no chances. Waltrip is on the outside. Richard goes right now to the bottom of the speedway. The fans are waving as he goes by and hits for you, Kim. Here he comes, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the World 600, Richard Petty, career win number 170. The World 600, 1975 NASCAR Championship Races history. Winner is Richard Petty. Drove the whole winning way. nineteen ninety two Mac Daddy and Daddy Mac, aka Chris Cross, leapt to the top of the charts for eight straight weeks with the single jump. Although he wasn't Johnny Carson's first pick, Jay Leno stepped on stage as the permanent host of the Tonight Show. Whoopi Goldberg whipped up the choir and dodged the bad guys in the box office smash Sister Act. And handsome Harry Gant hid from the field in the Skull Bandit Oldsmobile, scoring the victory in the Budweiser 500 at Dover International Speedway. Even if he runs out of fuel, now he's in turn two. Harry Gant goes to the inside of the racetrack, greatly reduced speed now. He just eases it off turn two, now bypasses Darrell Walton. The car is still running as he takes it into turn three. As he goes into the corner, he's going to lap the field. As it turns out, he goes by the limping car of Waltrip. Here comes Earnhardt, though. He may challenge back. Earnhardt passes to get back on the lead lap, but Harry Gant wins the Budweiser 500. What a finish. What a finish here at Dover, Delaware. Two thousand nine, Lady Gaga didn't flinch atop the charts, keeping the number one run alive with Poker Face. Conan O'Brien took command of NBC's Tonight Show after a seventeen-year, four thousand-plus episode run by Jay Leno. Ed Asner sets out for South America with young wilderness explorer Russell and a few thousand balloons in Disney's animated feature Up. And Jimmy Johnson was tops on the concrete, leading 298 laps to win the Autism Speaks 400 at Dover. Johnson to the back shoot for the final time here at the Monster Mile. Dominating performance will be punctuated with victory in the checkered flag in the first state. 
This time, the best car does win. Jimmy Johnson, who led 297 laps today, comes home as the winner of the Autism Speaks 400. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. Also, thanks to Denny Hamlin for joining us on NASCAR Live. And our thanks to Chad Canals and Brad Moran as well. For the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. We thank you for joining us as well. We'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.